You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Thank you for joining me. The interview subject I've got coming up for you, he's from a town, well, I guess it's a city called Newcastle, but he lives in a town or a city called Newcastle. That's the best way to put it. We'll talk about that through the conversation, but his name is Keelan Budrick, and I guess he is Silent Eyes. Keelan, via his alias Silent Eyes, has a self-titled EP, I believe it's his debut release, it'll hit stores, well, Apple Store and Spotify and all the rest of it, and do hit him up on socials to pick up some physical copy, that way he gets more of the income from the music, this great music that he's crafted, it's out there on November 6th. So here he is, Keelan Budrick, who is Silent Eyes. How's things, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, how are you? I'm great. It's, it sounds crystal clear from your end. So that's, that's, yeah, that's I'm start. pretty surprised. <laughs> yeah. Look, Skype's always better for that, even if we just do voice. Um, from the podcast perspective, I've had uh, a lot of interviews that have been conducted where I call from Skype to a mobile, and they sound like the person is in some sort of underground mine. Oh yeah, oh man, it's uh, it's not pleasant. No, it just—I can't clean it up. That's the problem. Is I can't do anything to it. If the source audio is ratchet, there's nothing I can do about it. But yours is crystal clear. So, mate, amazing. We're on uh, on track for a good episode. There you go. <laughs> That's always a good start. <laughs> Let's kick things off because you are releasing your debut self EP on November six. Now, Lee, of yeah. course, in preparation for the interview, has sent me a copy, mm-hmm. and I've, I've had a couple of listens to it, and I could be off the mark here, but tell me otherwise. I think it's sure. a very solid Roots Rock adventure, and I think it's beautifully written, and I can tell that you spend a lot of time getting things in order to make sure it sounds cohesive, and that's the key word there, cohesive. Mm, thanks. So how do you feel about the five cuts now that it's in the can? You can't do any more to it. And yeah, it's, um, I guess it's a relief in, in some ways, because, <laughs> uh, you know, to just decide something is finished is always a very, for me, uh, a difficult thing. Uh, and so to get to that point where I, I just, you know, you have to decide at some point, something has to, it's, it's good enough. Um, and that, decision is was very freeing um i did take a lot of time to you know i not necessarily changing the structure of the songs or anything but just experimenting with the the sounds and i guess you know it it took a lot of balancing and you know my good mate alex wilson was really um really helpful through that process as was my other friend seb key who's my other bandmate as well um and yeah just to have it at a place where it's it's done um is just yeah it's really really nice and thank you for saying it's cohesive like that's really i'm, I'm glad you found it that way I, I wanted it to be they're all slightly different in their own ways, but I, I wanted there to be, um, I guess, uh, because I'm not, I'm still exploring my sound and, 
um, you know, I'm, I don't want to limit myself in going just, you know, down one particular avenue. Um, I wanted to kind of give myself a, a, a broad platform to, to start off. Um, yep. but also like it, it, it's each one of those songs taps into something that I really love, um, in cool. being, you know, so, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, it's look, given it's your debut EP too. Were these songs that you'd written basically throughout your entire life up to this point, or are these recently written? Yeah, so these were songs that. Um, there's a couple on there that are older than the others. The, um, and since I've I've recorded the EP, I've you know I guess you're always kind of a, a writing, so to speak. Um, but they were some earlier songs that I chose to, um, yeah, I chose to hang on to and I thought, yep, that would be a good way to start. And I just, there were different aspects of the songs that I liked and that's Mm. probably, you know, I think that helped in choosing, you know, those ones to be particular. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Look, it is, from a listener's perspective, okay, it is hard to single out a specific cut, but I must say I do enjoy Ocean Blues because it's oh, got that, awesome. that massive big rock ending, that big, it's a Pearl Jam song, really. In terms <laughs> of its execution, it totally reminds me of, uh, is it Oceans? I might even be, I mean, I know that's what your song is called is Ocean, but it sort of reminds me of that cut from the album 10. So, look, the point being, though, if you had to showcase a single song and you're only given a single song mm. to, to show to an industry executive such as Dennis Handlin, which one would you yeah. choose? That's a tough call. Um, I think, you know, I guess it... Yeah, I, I, I really love Ocean Blues. I think it's... I'm really proud of the music in that song. Um, and yeah, I love the, the build and the, you know, it's got that really big ending and, um, you know, I guess I went with a different song for the single because it was probably, you know, a bit shorter and a bit, maybe a bit more hooky or, or whatever. But yeah, I think ocean blues, for I'd have to have something that conveys energy or, or, or power, I guess. Um, plus, I, I, it's just, it feels good to sing, you know, like I guess, um, yeah, I love um, singing that, you know, being able to belt out behind something is, is always satisfying and that song gives me a bit of variation in, in what I do vocally, so... Plus, I, I love the little guitar leads and into, you know, into playing things there. So I'd probably go that one, actually, now that you bring it up. <laughs> That's a good cut, man. It's a great cut. Ah, um, oh, thank you so much. I mean, I had it on the other night when I was cooking dinner, and I, I've, I've gone back to that one repeatedly. So that's the one I'd yeah, suggest. Cool. But, I mean, you've always got your own connection to songs and, and the way that they sort of turn out. And also, too, and this is a question for you, have you managed to perform any of these tunes live? Yeah, well, you know, that's a really interesting question because uh, I've yet to have the pleasure of hearing what they all sound like 
as a band in a live room. That's something that's on my bucket list. <laughs> um, but I, the way I've been performing them, um, and it's a hard thing for me because I used to perform them solo acoustically um, when I was living in Sydney. I used to just, you know, do a lot of acoustic nights and things. But it, it was always – I just felt – I didn't feel satisfied in that I, I knew how I wanted them to sound and I just, you know, without being able to convey that extra, you know, the layers and the harmonies and, you know, just those it, – it just felt like I was – I couldn't convey that, that – well, a, a lot of the essence of the songs wasn't being conveyed and I, I, I kind of just stopped performing because I thought, well, to anyone else, it's just like, yeah, okay, he's just – you know, it's just another dude with an acoustic guitar sort of thing. So that, f- for me, really pushed me into wanting to um, get them recorded. And that's another really uh, satisfying thing about releasing it now is that if I do, it opens up that op- opportunity to go back into that acoustic mindset just to be like, okay, well, you can check out the bigger picture and how everything is structured and you know and you can see how they were born the songs you know what i mean but yeah. i've yeah. also been experimenting um uh with looping just to add some extra layers and textures and um not that i i basically have just been doing that with um i've got a three you know the boss 500 pedals they've got three yeah. separate individual looping looping things and that just gives me a bit of freedom to add some, you know, add a guitar lead or add some vocal lines. And and whilst I don't want to, you know, I didn't, the songs weren't written on a loop pedal, but, um, you know, I've been just experimenting with ways to make them a little bit more interesting live to convey the, you know, the things that I love to do with harmonies. And, um, yeah, so that's been a bit of fun. And, again, just before, like, that would have been, someone's first interpretation of the songs whereas you know mm-hmm. now they've got a point of reference to the work that i'm referencing and um yeah but i you know to to be able to to get a band together with just that is um yeah that's my <laughs> number one on my bucket list um yeah absolutely yeah. did you did you record everything yourself from the drums to the bass to the guitar look i've recorded um except for drums and strings. Um, I had this incredible string quartet that happened to just, yeah, my mates, my, my other bandmate, Ev's brother, his brother plays cello, his wife played viola, and Alex had written some string parts for cello and viola, coincidentally. And then um, it just happened that they were playing at a vineyard in Orange and were bringing along two extra violin players. So I got um, to my um, my mate Seb and I said, "Look, mate, can you please? Because I don't I don't know how to read music, so I didn't know how to notate anything. I was like, we need to write some parts for the, to capitalize on this because this could be amazing. And so we were able to give them their sheet music and they smashed it out in two hours and that was awesome. And then the drums, um, I track bass uh, in the studio with Alex O'Toole, who's um, an incredible drummer and plays in predominantly a band called Meniscus, which is a post-rock instrumental band. Um, I think I've heard of them, and, 
oh man just freaking awesome you know um so good live and so much fun and he's just yeah like he's the kind of drummer that i you know you could only wish that you could be um so to get him on on drums was fantastic because we literally rehearsed the went through the songs one rehearsal session and then uh yeah we came into the studio and I guess being on bass as well, it was, you know, I hadn't tracked anything live before. I'm used to just doing individual solo takes. So we were playing together and I had Alex in the studio recording. Um, and yeah, just kind of going by Alex, you know, we were like, yeah, cool. That was great. And like, you know, that was a really short recording period too, but I just remember feeling a little bit like, you know, with everything that I previously recorded, I was, incredibly like ah oh, no I need to retake that need to retake that because I was focused on playing bass I kind of walked out going well um I don't really you know <laughs> I don't really remember all of those takes that we settled on so but I was I just felt completely confident knowing his ability that we'd, we'd got something good so um yeah so apart from that and Alex played a couple of piano parts on um on some different songs and I wrote a piano part for the, uh, the track for you and mm. yeah, but everything else, guitars, vocals, bass, I, I did myself. So yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Thanks. It sounds great. It sounds extremely, like I said earlier, it sounds very cohesive and that's why I thought it might've been you that recorded everything because there's that link between all of the instrumentation that generally only happens when someone knows how to play everything and link them all together per their vision. That's the key word there, vision, mm. with you, I think, you know. And But but what inspires you? You know, what, what gets the blood flowing? Because obviously you're inspired as a kid to get into music. So when did it start? Um, oh, wow. That's, I guess I was, I was really lucky as a kid growing up. I had some, my grandfather sang um, in, a, in a men's choir and, and, just the most incredible experiences I had was witnessing him perform and there's nothing there's really nothing like the sound of a, a men's choir that just yeah it's, it's it was incredible um but they you know they went and toured Wales and um it was a Roland Gregory or men's Orpheus choir was their name but and I think it's still going in orange but you know that as a kid just like goosebumps you know I was like wow um and then I guess everything for me kind of it always comes back to being able to sing um and you know I grew up in Walka which is a small country town um yeah yeah yeah, in between that's the one um so it's like 1500 farming out there or what is it um, in between Tamworth and Armadale, it's predominantly fine wool, fine wool growing country. So yeah, but you know, 1500 people in the Shire <laughs> and growing up, there wasn't really any exposure to music, you know, apart from singing with my mum on the radio or something like that. So never really witnessing anyone play live, but I just always loved that you know, loved singing. And then I guess it was probably later on, um, to be, to be honest, I, I found, 
music through my stepbrother. He just gave me a bunch of CDs. And then, yeah, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of discovering all these bands and like, you know, Audio Slave and Metallica and Nirvana and like all kind of like heavier. And then, um, and then I kind of learned about Dave Grohl and, and his first album that he did for the Foo Fighters. And I guess the thing that really stuck with me was the fact that, you know, he couldn't read music. Um, uh, he was, you know, able to, you know, write songs and, and learn everything and play them himself. And, um, and I kind of just really latched onto that because I was always intimidated or just felt like I couldn't, you know, because I didn't know how to, well, I just didn't want to read music as well. Like I, I struggled to be able to, you know, to focus and my ear has been my strength that I've lent on. And so, yeah, just having to, to see like, or to hear someone who's put out a record and just listening to that record and, and hearing everything on it is just him. And I was like, I just wanted to do that to be able to, you know, and I guess it just from there, like I just wanted to be able to, um, yeah, like I was learning drums. I never, I'd never owned a drum kit. Um, and I'd read that he used to practice by playing on pillows. So that's what I was like, well, if it's good enough for him, I'll just do that. And so like I'd beat the crap out of my thighs with sticks and, you know, like, and yeah, it was just a process of really just, I was so infatuated with not only, I guess, just guitar and, but it was just, yeah, I had this insatiable appetite for, for new music and just wanting to progress and, and yeah, just, it was, it was, you know, that's where I kind of, that's where my, my hunger came from was to be able mm-hmm. to put something together that I could kind of visualize and, you know, to be able to, to get everything except for, I could have done drums on this record, but I was like, no way is it going to be like, yeah, I just I was like, yeah. it's not going to be as good as what Alex O'Toole can do. And it's going to be very, <laughs> it would have paled in comparison to what he did. So I was very happy to, to let him do what he does. Yeah, to the untrained ear, maybe uh, nobody would have made picked the difference. But for you and your satisfaction levels, and also the musicians out there that can tune into things and really hear the groove that your drummers created, absolutely, yeah, you made the oh. right decision. You know, oh, the, yeah, absolutely. You know, did you? So, how did you layer the tracks? Did you start with an acoustic guitar as a guide for the drummer? Yeah, and sort of layer it up from there. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. We um. I had some, I did the acoustics um, just at home in Walker and uh, and then vocals as well. I did at home there and I guess that was enough. I think there might have even been a bass guide track. I, I don't know. Actually, I think I scrapped that. But, um, yeah, and that was enough for him to get a vibe of the songs. Um, and uh, yeah, and then once we, we had those, I guess I took that away and um, basically just tweaked from from that point. Well, that makes sense. You know, I mean, as I say, you uh, 
you pick the best musicians available to you. And if that's you or if that's somebody else, you just do what you need to do. But um, I'll switch gears for a second. I'll talk about the mm. EP cover. Yeah, sure. Being from Walker, it reminds me of the seed head. And not the, this is specific to Walker, but it's an agricultural reference. Ah. The, the seed head of a dandelion. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. So is, is that what it is? No, but I like that. I'd never really thought about that. That's really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, which probably lent, you know, why you thought it was a cotton cotton growing area. But, a um, little, yeah. Yeah, no, I actually – so I, I I had the name and just asking Alex with, you know, when it comes to, graphic, you know, artists and things like that, mm-hmm. if he could recommend anyone and he put me in touch with um, – James Stewart, who's based in New York, um, and he's done uh, a few of their album artworks. Um, but you know, he just—I guess from the name, like I didn't really have—I knew that you know, visually, uh, rather than I'd been down the path with my other band, like you know, trying to convey what you think you want, and and I guess I just was really happy to let his um, inspiration kind of take a take it running for wherever he wanted. And so, you know, he came up with this, these, you know, desires based, basically based around an, an eye. And, um, and from there he, you know, he tweaked and, you know, he gave me all these references and some of them were like, um, uh, where they, you know, he'd get like, stencils and do all this you know incredible some were like way more digital like depending and like i guess because of the music and the fact that i'd recorded everything like i the only thing that's you know electronic or or produced or or whatever is like you know the electric guitars and an ebo um i didn't have any other any other production so I, i wanted it to be a natural instrumental kind of base and for and for that reason i i was hoping that we could rather than go down a digital path that we could do something like that he could he could make and he came back with this the the work you see um and what he'd he'd done is he'd used um builders string chalk you know how they tap one in with a nail and then they flick it up and it snaps back down on the ground and leaves a line and yep. he created that piece with this chalked string and then had ground up chalk and thrown it. And, like, I was just like, it was just, yeah, I loved it so much. Um, and so, yeah, that that's that's basically what it is. It was his, his interpretation of, of the name Silent Eyes and based around an eye. But... Um, yeah, I just thought it was yeah. – he was super clever to come up with that. Like, you know, um, yeah, I was really, really stoked. Have you got some merch ideas for it? Because I'd, I'd hate to see it, you know what I'm saying. At this point in time, you can't get out there and perform that Yeah, much. yeah. You know, so yeah, have you got absolutely. some merch ideas to put it on some uh, beer coasters and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, like, I'd, you know, I'd love to get it on a shirt. I think that would be – that'd be so cool. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be really cool to see that. Um and just yeah, I just I wanted you know to to show people because I just want to 
promote him as well because he's such an incredible artist. So, yeah, I'd be stoked nice. to wear that around. <laughs> nice, yeah. So are you based in Sydney these days or whereabouts are you? Um, I'm actually based in Newcastle at the moment. Um, I've been here since January last year. And, I, yeah, I moved oh, I moved out from Sydney 2017. Mm-hmm. It took 18 months in Walker. Um, and then, yeah, moved down here. And um, it's it's nice basically just being in between Walker and, and Sydney and just that nice halfway ground. Pardon me. Um, to be able to, to, you know, get down to Sydney and check out what's there. And it's like six bucks on a train to go down because it's still on the city line as well. So depending Is on what wrong? you need to do, yeah. it's pretty yeah. – yeah, it's really chill. Yeah. Yeah, so Newcastle's the home at the moment. Yeah, it's not as mad as Sydney either. The, when the nutcases that are in Sydney and how difficult living in Sydney is, you're a little bit out of the, the madness. Yeah, absolutely. Without being completely removed, if I, you know, it's possible for me to to play a show um, and, you know, crash at a mate's place and or just drive back. You know, it's only two and a half, two hours or something. So it just, yeah, it takes a lot of strain off both financially and, and mentally and just daily life is so much easier than <laughs> does it yeah, feel like um, does it feel like at this point in time it's been years since i've been uh, i used to live in sydney but it was about 16 years oh, yeah. or so um does it feel like at these days newcastle is like a far northern suburb of sydney or is there still that separation <laughs> uh you know i guess people people kind of talk about because I'm, I'm living in Newcastle East at the moment, and so people are like, oh, you're right in the city of Newcastle. And I'm like, no, like, it's not a city. Like, it just really feels like a big country town, to be honest. Like, it has yeah. not – it's hardly got a city feel about it. And um, Compared to Sydney, yeah. anyway, yeah. Oh, saying, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's – and, you know, but it's great, you know. I like it for that. Yes, Newcastle is a town I've spent zero time in. But I spoke with uh, a few artists from there, and yeah, I often okay. wonder when I drive down, which we could like, God, when's the last time I drove down? Almost ten years ago. But I yeah, wow. Drive down, you almost hit you hit Newcastle first, and then it, then there's like that, like the highway changes colour. It's like that concrete colour, and <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's like, are we in Sydney yet? Yep. No, you're not in Sydney. Yeah, yet, but you sort of feel like you're there, but you're not. It, but you, yeah, you know I do you're know on the what last you mean. Stretch. You know, you're absolutely, you know, especially if you drive down by the New England Highway, and <laughs> you go down through um, Warwick and um, what's that town up there, bloody called where um, Peter Allen's from? Jesus, I can't remember. Oh, Tenerfield. 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 Yeah, point. you're on point, brother. <laughs> you drive down through there. I try. Yeah, and you 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 sort of you hit Newcastle because it's all nothing until that point. Oh, you do drive past the coal fields and the. Um, scone and uh you know where the electricity is generated and the like and you're yeah like, oh, okay, absolutely. i'm getting close now and but then you hit newcastle and you feel like you're in sydney a little bit you know but it's nice to hear you say that that it's kind of got this rural and regional feel to it because i've got to say the last time i was down there which again was 10 years ago 
It felt a bit like Sydney, to be honest. With yeah, you. true. Where, where okay. was I? Was yeah. it a Stockland Mall somewhere? Was it Stockland Mall? I can't talk shit. Mm. Not, not expecting you to, you know, know my intimate <laughs> details from ten years ago, of course. But <laughs> but I remembered being down there and thinking, holy shit, this shopping mall is as busy. I had to pick up some stuff before we went down to Sydney to meet some of my wife's family. Oh, um, true. Yeah. And, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I remembered thinking back then, oh wow, Newcastle has come a long way since. The Johns brothers dominated in the NRL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, there's you know there's a lot of development and things, but it just I don't know. I think maybe because I'm living with um, my housemate Michelle, she's an absolute champion. But she uh, her folks owned the the Lass Hotel um, for a long, long time, and only mm. just sold up last year. And through her, she just has this huge. She just knows everyone, and I guess maybe that makes it feel a little bit smaller. And sure. um, but yeah, I don't I haven't. I've been really lucky to to not feel you know like it's another huge place, but it's it's great. Mm. I recommend when you can get down, get down. <laughs> there was always a pub there. I can't the Cambridge. There you go. Came to me in. Yeah, the Cambridge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that still going? Yeah. So they're doing. Kind of. They're kind of. Well, I mean they've started gigs again but it's sit down you know so like i guess they've it's a ticketed kind of event as well so sitting down tables and, and stuff with you know a much limited capacity so they sell out pretty quick so i actually haven't been um to any of the gigs that they've had but um yeah i'm glad that they've been able to get something going again um yeah. yep still still tracking on <laughs> all right so Final question for you. Sure. With a release like this, it's a strong release, but, and I've had this conversation two times prior to you, actually tonight. Mm. Yeah, okay. COVID going on and not being able to play live mm. in the traditional sense. You know what I'm saying? Like beer in hand, yeah. up front, <laughs> feeling yeah. the, uh, the aura of the person that you're playing for, if you know mm. what I'm saying, which is impossible mm. over uh, electronic means. Yeah. How do you plan on promoting such an extraordinary release as this? Well, I mean, that's probably the first time I've heard it worded like that, <laughs> extraordinary release. Um, but uh, thank you, firstly. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's it's. I've been watching a few different artists in the way that they're going about things. And, you know, live streaming is, is one thing. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with the the live stream um i think i'd rather yeah it doesn't work to be honest mate i'm yeah, sorry i've watched a few you know, of them. i've watched, watched a dozen of them at this point sorry to interrupt mm, you but i've watched a no, dozen no. of them at this point and they do, they they honestly it looks like you're watching a youtube video from yesteryear you know what i mean yeah it's not yeah, the same vibe no and i guess like you know if you if you're actually watching it live maybe but i'd rather spend the time actually doing a, 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 you know, a performance with, you know, some kind of video format, but something that I could make sure was nice for people to watch whenever they wanted rather than you need to watch this now. Sorry, I'm I'm interrupting again, but I just... No, go for it, Andrew. These thought bubbles happen. Well, these thought bubbles (laughs) happen and, you know, I just don't want it to sort of disappear, but with an artist like you, look, I do tarot card readings too. This is the other thing. And one of the things that I feel about, an artist like yourself is your connection will be with people one-on-one 
So I think if you mm. advertise, and I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you ask for people to pay or otherwise, do what you feel is right. But I think if mm. you do the Facebook Live thing, but via Messenger, and connect with people on a one-on-one yeah. basis, and do that for them, I think you will like. And it sounds like hard work, but I don't think it will be for somebody like you, because I think your music is already very personal, and I think if somebody like connects with your music they'll want to sort of, they will actually go, you know what, like if you do a Patreon thing or what have you, or even you, you just want to give it away, as I say, whatever yeah, you feel is yeah. comfortable, just do it one-on-one because I've watched, honestly, I've watched a dozen of these live things and they're literally live, but yeah. like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it honestly right. feels like, it, you don't, you'd like there's not that, like I, I, I know they're doing it to make a personal connection, but it mm. actually feels it actually feels quite the opposite. It feels like a cynical yeah. attempt to connect with an audience because that you can't play live. And I reckon it, it'd just be a weird feeling too. It'd be it's, you know, brother, it is strange for the I've performer. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I yeah. do. I'm a musician too, and I get it. I'm looking. I'm yeah. thinking you're literally performing into a camera lens, and yeah. more often than not, probably an <laughs> iPhone lens or an Android phone lens as well. Yeah, because they're just as good as what the the camera lenses are these days. I've just graduated yeah. from uni, and that's what we're using these days. We're not using big studio. My 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 HP 100 Panasonic is useless compared to my um, iPhone 11X or whatever it's called, you know. Yeah. The point being is that it's an artificial experience and I don't think people are after that, but I think the way you circumvent that is by leveraging social media's power to connect with the individual. And, yeah. and I think for someone like you, Keelan, is that you, you your music is very engaging and it is a gut-level thing, meaning that you connect with people on an individual basis. So... You offering your services, you, when I say services, you know what I'm saying, your performance mm. on an individual yeah, basis, man, I think people would sign up for that. I could be wrong, man. I could be completely fucking wrong, but I actually think I might be right. <laughs> I, you know what? I reckon you, you, maybe you've just cracked the whole, this could be uh, a huge thing for a lot of musicians if they listen to this, because I don't know if I've heard of anyone actually thinking about that. Nobody's doing you it. Know? And I tell you something, the other thing too is this nominate a payment. So just say to them, you pay what you feel it's worth up front, not afterwards, because people will be guilted into it. You say, if you want to pay yeah. five bucks, fair enough. If you want to pay yeah. 50 bucks, fair enough too. But I think you're skilled enough, mate, that people will watch. Like, what I'm saying is, like, prepare it. Like, do the videos in advance. Oh. Like, do some videos in advance to give people an idea what they're in for. But mm. then when they connect for, to you via um, Messenger and they can see... The, you know, the Facebook Live, not Facebook Live video. I don't know what the live video on Messenger is called, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. The yeah, private yeah. feed via, via Facebook or via Instagram or whatever the social media platform might be, man. I think you do really well with that. And I think this is the thing about this era. Like, the Spotify mm. CEO, I think he's an asshole, but not because he's an <laughs> asshole, if that makes sense. Like, I can't stand what Spotify and Apple Music is done to music, but it's inevitable yeah. that somebody was going to come along and change the paradigm in which kids listen yeah. to music. But yep. he said that these days it's all about, forget about albums, forget it. I'm paraphrasing, okay, so I'm not quoting directly. But my recollections mm. of his comments are that he said, if you, you cannot connect effectively with people online and via social media and you're a musician, forget about it. In other words, yeah. figure it out. Mm. 
and and I think, yeah, right. and I think for an artist like you, you know, you're starting, you're not starting out as a as a musician, of course, but as a recording artist, you're getting your music out mm. there. This is a way to do it, and honestly, this is this has literally occurred to me as I'm talking to you. And that well, this is bloody impressive. What a time! <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like how lucky am I? That's awesome. But that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm saying to you, man. I actually think that you 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 have a serious chance at doing that, and. You know, I mean, do it at night, fire it. You know what I'm saying? Like, make it an event. Like, mm. set everything up with a roadie mic via a campfire somewhere, you know, just yeah. out of town or what have you, and do two or three and do it in half an hour blocks. You know what I mean? And yeah. let the people nominate which songs they want to hear. That, you, yeah, man. I'm glad this is being recorded because this is a great <laughs> point of reference. So, I'm like, I was like scribbling notes. And I'm like, hang on, I can potentially listen to this later that's good yes i'll Keep send going. it to you Great. Sorry, i'll send it to you but, <laughs> but this is what happens to me man i've done look i've done at this point in time it's fair to say i've done over 600 interviews and i get these yeah, wow. thoughts of they're bolts of lightning that appear as thoughts but they oftentimes they can be thought bubbles and then they just pop and disappear but i, I didn't mean to interrupt you as i say earlier but when i when i when i hear somebody's music which is as genuine and sincere as what yours is i know it's going to affect people mm. and look i was just at oh, Toowoomba the other day like and and i was this i'm thinking i often think and i and i've said this plenty of times on my podcast like where does music have a role in my life to the mm. artist level and when I, when I think of your music i mean the fact that you're from walker and i'm up here like we we're out of toowoomba and we were like 15 or 20 kilometers outside of toowoomba so in the world bushwhagon as we say yeah um, yeah at a homestead, you know, just in, yeah, like in the middle beautiful. of nowhere. But like, you know, I mean, we were out there. We could see the stars and shit and the kids were having mm. fun and stuff. And, man, your music would have been perfect for by the campfire and the Jack Daniels <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. the barbecue. And, man, it was all going on. And and I think <laughs> yeah, that's you, man. That's you right there. And there's, there's plenty of us city slickers that love that shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I do love me a good old campfire, that's for sure. <laughs> you have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That artist thing you just heard from is Keelan Butterick. He is silent eyes. Do check out his material. You can find him easily on social media. Just type in silent eyes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>